0: If you're turning with me in your Bibles, we're going to start in Psalm 69. Psalm 69. So today I want to talk to you about arrest warrant. Arrest warrant. One of the meanings for the word warrant is justification or authority for an action, belief, or feeling. To make it real plain. A warrant is permission. To do something. Right? I mean like. If Josh shows up at your house and knocks on the door. And he's got a warrant. Then that gives him permission to do something. Right? He can arrest you or come in and search. Or whatever the warrant says. So a warrant. To just make it real plain. it's Is permission. To do something. It's the right. To do something. I heard about this uh, this big time drug dealer that was locked up in jail and he wouldn't talk. He wouldn't tell where there was tons of drugs and money missing and they questioned him. They tried everything, couldn't get him to talk. So he was just sitting in jail. And one day, all of a sudden, the policeman couldn't figure out why, but he said, hey, I need to have a meeting with the DEA. Uh, Just send an agent down here. I got some information I want to give them. They're like, okay. What, he finally cracked after a few months in jail? And so DEA agent came and sat with him. And he said, look, I'm ready to tell y'all where I hid everything. I said, okay, great. Where at? He said, my daddy's got a farm up in Wisconsin. And he's got a giant wood pile out behind the house with some big giant oak logs and uh, what I did was I cut one of those logs open and I hollowed out the inside and I slammed one of them full of cash. And I hollowed one of them out and slammed it full of gold bars and the other one's full of of drugs. So there you go. There's my confession. They said, okay, thank you so much. So they got their They got a warrant to go search the property they showed up and beat on the door and the old man his dad comes to the door and opens it up can i help you and they said we've got a warrant to search your property sir we'd like you to stay in the house don't even come outside this has not got nothing to do with you it's something with your son and so they started pulling axes out of their suv and went out there and started splitting open those logs looking for it and they split every single log in the pile and found nothing went back Went to him and said, hey, man, there was nothing in those logs. He said, oh, my bad. I must have put it somewhere else. He called his dad a little while later and said, hey, DEA split all those logs? And his dad said, yeah, they did. How would you pull that off? He said, don't worry about it. Happy birthday, Dad. They had a warrant. A warrant is permission. So... Arrest, you know, I didn't say an arrest warrant. I said arrest warrant. A rest. I'm giving you permission to rest. I'm going to give you a rest warrant. Some of y'all have been resisting arrest. You go, 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 go. You won't take a rest, you won't take a break. And all throughout the Bible, we see places where we're supposed to take a rest. We're supposed to have a Sabbath. God commanded the children of Israel, hey, look, this is what I do. God himself created the world in six days, and he took a rest. And then he made this commandment to the children of Israel. And, you know, as I was thinking about this message this week and and just studying on it and dwelling on it, it really hit me that. No wonder God was harping on this thing so hard to the children of Israel because they were slaves for 400 years. Right, so it was probably in them. They didn't get off days and vacations and stuff like that. For 400 years, they had been slaves. They had to work every day. And God's like, no, once a week, we're going to have a day where I don't even want you to work. And it was, it was, kind of a learning curve, because he's feeding them manna, and he said, look, don't worry about it on the Sabbath day, I don't want you to go out and pick up manna, and they couldn't get it, it was just so hard, like, but if we don't get enough, we got to gather up a bunch of extra, and maggots came into it, and God's like, no, I'll make it last on that day, if you will honor me, and take a rest, catch your breath, recharge, you'll honor me, I'll work it out. And we think about stories like that and think, man, they're dumb. But i got to work seven days a week because I ain't going to be able to pay my power bill. And I'm not just talking about working your job. I'm talking about taking a spiritual rest, a break, and not just be running, running, running. But to let God fill you back up. To let God refill you and recharge you. And and you can get all religious about a certain day. And some people want to say it's Saturday. And for some people, they think Sunday is the day of... The Sabbath day, the day of rest. Well, it ain't a day of rest for me. This is my main work day of the week. (laughs) I've been up for a while. I'm working right now. So I gotta have a different Sabbath, right? I'm saying don't don't make it into some religious works about it's gotta be a certain day because then you're missing the point. You're missing the point of what it is. It's good to take a rest sometimes. It's good to stop and catch your breath. And you know what? You'll be more effective if you do. Right? The tired, wore out, stretched too thin you is not nearly as effective as the you that's coming in full and ready. Ready for all that God has for you. Do you know that you can't audit it if you're in it? That was kind of difficult to say. You can't audit it if you're in it. Meaning like if you don't ever take a step back from the rat race, from your life that you've created, if you never take a step back, it's real hard to make any changes or corrections that need to be made or realize if you're headed in the wrong direction because you're just, you got the blinders on and you never stop to evaluate, to meditate, to think. Get along with God, like spend that that time. It's super important. Even God rested. Not because he was tired. Right? How many of y'all God doesn't even sleep? It wasn't like he created the whole world and then he was like, Whew, yeah. Oh, you're gonna have to cover it for me, Jesus. I gotta take a break, That's not what happened. God, he wasn't tired. Six days of this. Good good me, I can't keep it up. Oh my me, that's not what happened, right? God wasn't tired. But he took a day off to enjoy what he had created. God rested not because he was tired, but he was taking delight in creation. Remember, he was looking at different things and saying, man, the trees are, it's good. Plants and animals and the sun's coming up and down and man, and, and he's looking at all his things. And then he even found one problem was that man was alone. That was the only thing he found a problem with was, oh, it's not good. That man should dwell alone. So before that seventh day, on the sixth day, he made Eve. And then he took a rest. Well, guess what? That was the Sabbath day. So as soon as God created Eve and he said, okay, now humans are good. The first assignment on planet Earth for the humans was take a rest. Do what I do. Delight in my creation. Man, just acknowledge how awesome I am because I made flamingos and trees and That waterfall over there. Like that was their first job. The seventh day was the first day that humans were alive and together and God's like, delight in me. Look around at my goodness and my faithfulness because that's what I'm going to do and you're created in my image. It's how God set it up. Their responsibility that first day was to rest. Now he told them to be fruitful and multiply. But first, rest. Take delight. As if to say, if you will rest, then you can be fruitful. Think about it this way. If I want to max out on a bench press, and if I figure I can get about 475 pounds, right, maybe I can. Okay, I might be shooting a little high. This is an example. All right. I'm not going to go do a full workout and then do me some aerobics before I try to max out and lift that 475 pounds. I'm going to warm up just enough so I don't hurt something. Right, Do a little bit, just get warmed up a little bit, but I'm not going to get myself tired. Why? Because I'll never lift it. You don't max out at the end of a good hard workout. Otherwise, your max is probably not going to be what it could be. It's not going up. You didn't even take time to catch your breath or to let your muscles recover or rebuild, or you're not fresh. So, you're not lifting what you could. You're not doing what you could because you didn't take a pause. It's the same spiritually. We're just going, 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 going. We never take a pause. We never have a break with Jesus. We never meditate. We never let Him fill us back up. We never, then we're not as effective or as powerful as we could be. If we just pause for a second, we might lift a lot more weight in the kingdom. Did you know that you can be busy and not fruitful? Like for some reason today we, we think that busyness equals fruitfulness or productivity. And that's not the case. You can be busy, busy, busy and producing no fruit. Just because you're busy doesn't mean you're fruitful. And Busyness steals your delight. It's the difference in... I have to, and I get to. And we've talked about that with the worship team, and I've, I've thought about that as myself with, with being a pastor, and, and you can really apply it to uh, everything in your life. Like, What are the things that like, you have to do or you get to do? if I come in here with the perspective and the attitude that I have to preach today oh God I got to get up here and preach or I have to study this week to come up with a message and I, I can get it done but it's not going to be nearly as good as is if I'm delighting in the call that God's placed on my life and I'm loving it and I'm just excited that I get to like I get to preach one more Sunday man I hope God gives me a hundred more after this but I know I get to today I'm not going to waste that moment. I want to say everything, what God's laying on my heart. Don't worry, not everything. I'll try not to, I won't try keep you all for four hours, but not everything. But, like, there's such a difference in somebody that's doing something because they get to rather than somebody that has to. Oh, I guess I'll have to. And, and man, you can talk about giving money or giving time or giving whatever it is across the board. I want to have the attitude of, I get to. I get to be part of the kingdom. I get to be one of God's sons. I, I get to give my money and my time and my talents and my treasures. And I get to help people. I get to see people set free. What a privilege. I don't have to do this. Uh, it made me think of, uh, if some of y'all noticed the the urinal that's been laying in the floor for a while that we hadn't been able to get hung up and it's now hung on the wall and it's almost ready. Please don't pee in it yet. <laughs> it's almost ready. <laughs> it, it's going to be hooked up probably today if not real soon. Um but Barry was coming out to volunteer to drive all the way out here. He lives like an hour away and he's driving out here and he got out here and realized that we have it's like a different name brand of urinal and the parts that we had or another name brand and trying to put it all together so you know long story short he didn't have everything that he needed to hook it up that first day and i said hey man i'm sorry that you drove all the way out here an hour after work and weren't able to do it and you know what he said he said don't apologize to me i'm doing it for the lord i'd drive out here a hundred times i wouldn't be mad That's somebody that gets to serve. Like if you're doing it with the right attitude, you're not mad. Because you know God has a reason and a purpose. And if it didn't work out, you're not getting angry about it. You just, he came back the next day with almost everything he needed. (laughs) And it's not his fault. But that's the right attitude. That's the attitude I want to have with everything, whether it's worship or pastor or serving or being a counselor at camp or whatever it is, that, that's the attitude I want to have. That only comes from resting in Him, taking a break, not being so stressed out that I have to do this and I have to do that. Have you ever been at the end of your rope? Maybe you're there now. Or you could say hanging on by a thread. Not waking up refreshed in the morning. Pastor Bruce says it's okay to go to bed completely exhausted as long as you're waking up refreshed the next day. But if you're carrying all that exhaustion from yesterday to tomorrow and then tomorrow's to the next day to the next day and you're not, you're never. then that's not good. You're, you're running on empty. Maybe you just feel overwhelmed today. With life, with everything, maybe it's good stuff, maybe it's bad stuff, maybe it's maybe you just feel overwhelmed. We get there sometimes. There are lots of people in the Bible that were a lot of them, and I picked just two that we're going to look at briefly. Um, We're going to look at David. David found himself there a lot, at the end of his rope, overwhelmed, stressed out. David was kind of dramatic. And I thank God for David because we get so many good examples from him. And even when I started looking for some good examples in the Psalms, there was tons of them. So we don't even have time to read all of them. So I'm just going to show you a couple of them in Psalm 69, verse 1. God, God, save me. I'm in over my head. Quick sand under me, swamp water over me. I'm going down for the third time. I'm hoarse from calling for help. That's pretty bad. Blurry-eyed from searching the sky for God. My eyes are going dim. I'm sinking under. My voice is going hoarse from crying out for help, God. Where are you at? It's horrible down here. I can't take it. Skip up to verse 11. Same psalm. When I put on a sad face... They treated me like a clown. He's like, things were bad. I put on a sad face and they laughed at me. Now drunks and gluttons make up drinking songs about me. Dang. That's bad, David. The local drunks were making up diss tracks about David. Ah, He's so bad. They were sitting around in the local bars, like making fun of him. Cutting CDs, making fun of David. I don't think things were that bad. I think he was kind of in his own head right here. I, he was getting a little emotional. I don't think everybody was sitting around cutting CDs about David. Oh, look, he made a frowny face. He's a clown. But that's where he was in his mind. Look, skip over and look at verse 20 and 21. I looked in vain. For one friendly face, just one, one friendly face, not one. I couldn't find one shoulder to cry on. No one in the whole world would even smile at him. Man, they put poison in my soup and vinegar in my drink. Oh, God, it's horrible. That's dirty. They're laughing at him. They're making fun of him. They're writing songs. The drunk guys are writing songs about him and singing them in the pub. They're putting poison in his soup and vinegar in his drink. And not one person in the whole world will even smile at him. I don't think that's reality. You're just in deep. You're over your head. You're overwhelmed. And David got there sometimes. David was a musician. So we know how moody they can be, real up and down. Rachel says, Amen. (laughs) No, Amanda says, Amen, when y'all watch this later. So for poor old David, this is a time in his life when things were really bad. But I want to point out that in between all of this freaking out, you notice how I just skipped to three different places in that psalm. But in between all of this freaking out, I want to point out what David was doing in between there. Like if you jump back in between the two I just read to verse 13. He says, God, answer in love. Answer with your sure salvation. Rescue me from the swamp. Don't let me go under for good like I'm going under. But God, don't let this be the end. Rescue me. He's crying out to God. He says in in verse 18, come close. God, get me out of here. Rescue me from this death trap. See, even in his freaking out and even in his feeling overwhelmed and even when he feels like everybody's against him, he's still praying to God and he constantly throughout the Psalms is reminding himself of how big God is, how faithful God is, how God's stronger than anybody that he faces and and he prays some crazy prayers, but flip over and look at one more psalm. We're going to look at um, Psalm 73, verse 11. This is another one where David's just, he's in a bad spot. He's in a rough place. What's going on here? Is God out to lunch? Nobody's tending the store. It like You ever felt like that in your life? Like God just disappeared? Hello? Hello? Where are you at? David's like, what's going on here? Did God go to lunch? Where are you at? I thought you were the God of the angel armies was fighting for me. Why? Am I, where are you? I've felt that way before. The wicked get by with everything they haven't made, piling up riches. I've been stupid to play by the rules. What has it gotten me? A long run of bad luck. That's what a slap, wait, that's what a slap in the face every time I walk out the door. David's like, I look at wicked people and they got it better than me. They're rich. What's the point? Why not I waste all my time doing the right thing? Why not I try to help people? Why don't I serve this God and I look at wicked people that do the wrong thing and they seem to be doing better than me that's what happens when you're in a bad place and you're tired and you need to catch a, you need to catch your breath you need to take a rest and then you start comparing to other people you start comparing what it looks like and what they look and and their stuff you know he mentioned money and wealth and And you start somehow thinking that's a sign of God's blessing. Is because somebody's rich that God's blessing them. Don't get confused. Take a breath David. Take a deep breath. Think about it. Watch how he shifts. If I had given in and talked like this. I would have betrayed your dear children. Still. When I tried to figure it out, all I got was a splitting headache. He said, I can't figure it out. Why does bad things happen to good people? and Good things happen to bad people. I tried to figure it out on my own in my mind, in my picture, stuck on this spot of time where I am. Remember, God can see a lot bigger picture than us. David said, it just gave me a headache until... I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I saw the whole picture. See, David was all upset and comparing himself to them and that and everybody else. And and then he said, but wait, I just couldn't figure it out. I don't know what God was doing. And then I entered into the sanctuary. I came into the house of God and I listened for God's voice. And then I saw the big picture. In other words, then I was reminded that it's a whole lot bigger than this little situation that I'm getting stuck on. Right? God's story is a whole lot bigger. A whole lot greater than this one little area or the fact that so-and-so got a raise and I didn't get a promotion. David said, when I entered into the sanctuary, I was reminded of how big God's story was. His perspective changed. All the stuff and the troubles didn't just automatically change when he entered into the sanctuary. His perspective changed, right? He came close to God. He got in God's presence and he remembered how big God was. If you skip down to, to verse 25, you're all I want in heaven, you're all I want on earth when my skin sags and my bones get brittle God is rock firm and faithful look those who left you are falling apart deserters they'll never be heard from again but I'm in the very presence of God oh how refreshing it is hear that It's refreshing in the presence of God. We saw a few weeks ago that in His presence, there's a fullness of joy in His presence that we can get refreshed. David tells us here, oh, how refreshing it is. I've made Lord God my home. God, I'm telling the whole world what you do. I've made God my home. What does that mean? I'm going to live there, dwell there. I'm going to go there often and I'm going to feel comfortable. You know, I act different in my home than I do if I came and visited your home. When I'm at my house, if I'm thirsty, I walk to the refrigerator and get me something to drink. I don't. David said, I've made God my home. I'm going to be that comfortable in this relationship. And in his presence. Why? Because the verse right before that, he just told us, man, it's refreshing in, this, in his presence. Man, I'm going to come here and take a rest often. I'm going to make it a normal habit to enter into the house of God, to enter into his presence, to, to be refreshed and refilled and recharged. That's what we do at church. You come in here if you're open and receptive and you come in here for the worship and the word and, and you can be refilled and recharged and ready to go. So what's he doing? He's putting his trust back in God. Psalm started out, this one started out pretty rough and then by the end we see he's, he's changed his focus and he put his trust back in God. And then everything changes. It's worship. You know, you can worry or worship, but it's hard to do both at the same time. It really is. It's hard to be in his presence, presence and worshiping and lifting up God and how big and powerful he is and, and worshiping him and worry at the same time. Maybe you can, but it's hard. It's not easy. Psalm 61, verse 2. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, right? So when your heart's overwhelmed, you ever felt like your heart was just overwhelmed? When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the bar. That's not what it says lead me to that website. Lead me to the toxic relationship. Lead me to the pot of gold and success in my career. They don't say any of that. David said, lead when my heart is overwhelmed. What do I need to do? He said, lead me to the rock that is higher than high. What does that mean? Take me to something bigger than me. When my heart's overwhelmed, take me to something bigger than my heart. What's more powerful than the human heart? (laughs) Nothing but God. Right? Your heart and your emotions, they can talk you into doing pretty much anything. John tells us that God's the only thing stronger than your heart or your emotions, your feelings. And right here, David's saying, hey, when my heart's overwhelmed, lead me to the rock. Because it's higher than me. He's bigger than me. Stronger than me. Lead me to the only thing that's more powerful than my heart. And that's God. Look what Paul said in Philippians 4. Philippians 4.6 We know Paul had a pretty rough go of things. It's not like he had it easy. He was locked up and they beat him multiple times and he was stoned. Paul wrote this letter to the church at Philippi. In Philippians 4, verse 6, he says, Be careful for nothing, or don't worry about anything. Why? The worry doesn't change the future. So Paul says, be careful for nothing or don't worry about anything, but in everything, in everything, not in some things, not in what you feel like, not in, like, in every single thing, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. So, Paul says right here, don't worry about anything, but bring everything to God. Make your request known to God. It's okay. Bring it to Him. Unload it. Empty it. Pray. It's okay. Add a little bit of thanksgiving in there. Why? Because he knew that's going to go ahead and start turning your perspective. He said, bring it all to God. Don't worry about it. No matter what it is, whatever's bothering you, whatever's worrying you, no matter how bad shape you're in, no matter what enemy's coming up against you, bring it all to God and, and add some thanksgiving with it. Right? Just thank Him for His goodness there at the end. After you've done emptying your garbage, thank Him for something He's done for you. Right? Add in something that you're grateful for. Throw in a little bit of gratitude on the end of that prayer. Man, that's what we just saw David doing. We, you can see David doing that in multiple psalms. He pours out all this junk. but then he starts reminding himself of how good God's been and how I went into the house of God and my perspective changed or how Paul says add a little bit of thanksgiving, some gratitude. Let your request be made known unto God. Verse 7. Here's what will happen. He doesn't say God will answer your request. I'm praying for a million bucks because I need it to do what God's called me to do. And I'm thankful. Well, that doesn't mean God's going to give me a million bucks. But here's the guarantee. Here's what He will do. He guaranteed it. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding the peace that doesn't make sense A peace when you shouldn't have peace. A peace when your whole world's crashing down. A peace when you shouldn't have peace. That's what the peace that passes understanding, that's what it means. Like even when it doesn't make sense, you still have peace. That passeth all understanding shall what? Keep or guard. Some of your translations probably say guard, that that word keep or guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace that passes all understanding. We've talked about before, like if you picture like a car driving down I-20 and, and picture that car as whatever problem you're facing or picture that car as hate, if that's what you're dealing with, or you can picture that car as whatever your sin is or your... Your problem, whatever that thing is that you're bringing to God, right? And then picture the peace car coming up behind him in the fast lane. Paul said that peace car, he passes all understanding, he passes your problem, he passes the sin. But this part, I I noticed this time when I was reading and, and studying it is. What does it do? Right? What does the peace do? Why is peace so valuable to us? Why? What does it do? He just told us. It guards your heart. It guards your mind. Right? Peace comes in and stands guard. Over your heart that was overwhelmed. And over your heart that was broken and hurt. And and over your mind that's all thinking wrong and messed up, whatever it is, whatever those problems are, it probably has something to do with either your heart or your mind or both, right? Whatever those problems that you just unloaded on God, the peace that doesn't make sense, the peace that passeth understanding, comes in and stands guard. It guards your heart and your mind. Peter tells us to cast or to unload all of our cares, all of our worries on Him. Just unload them. Cast them on Him because He cares for us. It doesn't make sense. But we unload on Him and He gives us peace. Remember, I'm not going to turn there in the interest of time, but in John chapter 6 um, where Jesus told the disciples hey go get in the boat and meet me on the other side of the lake and so all the disciples head down the hill and they jump in the boat and they go to meet him across the lake and they get several miles out across the lake and and a bad storm hits and it's night and it's dark and they're scared and then here comes Jesus walking on the water I think that's the line out of a song here comes Jesus walking on the water and they had never seen that before and so Y'all know the story. They get scared and they start screaming and hollering. Oh, it's a ghost. It's a demon. Ah! What they were afraid of before. right? It tells us, go read the story there in John 6. It tells us that they were afraid of the storm. And these, you know, several of the disciples were professional fishermen. They knew what they were doing. It wasn't just like... Like, Don't just think in your mind this was a boat full of preachers that didn't know how to handle the sea. Several of them were professional fishermen, and they were scared of the storm, of the water, of the waves. That they were going to drown, that they weren't going to make it to where Jesus told them to go. So Jesus comes walking on the water. Wait, what was the problem? The water. What were they afraid of? The water. That was the problem. It was those waves washing in that boat. It was they, they thought they were going to flip. It was the sea is what they were afraid of. And Jesus came walking on top of it. Standing on top of the problem. See, Jesus was on top of the problem. And when they realized it, and they invited him into the boat, there was peace that's all it took yeah it took them recognizing as Jesus and he's bigger than my problem and then peace flooded the situation then the circumstances changed then the storm stopped and the waves died down but that's what it took they brought Jesus into the situation and they realized he's on top of this problem he's bigger than this problem our God is bigger than whatever it is that I'm facing I bring him into the situation and glorify him and I get peace. And that's what we're really after, anyways. We all want peace. There's a peace, there's a calm. Matthew eleven, twenty-eight. This is Jesus talking. And he says, come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. A gift. You know what that tells me? You can receive rest. Now, your circumstances don't have to all line up and be. Jesus said, if you come to me, I'll give you rest. you come to me, you can receive rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Jesus said, I want to give your soul a rest. If your soul's rested, you're in a good place. You're going to be effective. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So that word, it, it was a Greek word that was translated easy right there. And the word means this, where he said, for my yoke is easy. It means good, kind, loving, benevolent, better, or gracious. Jesus said, come to me. My yoke is better. My yoke's easy. My yoke is kind. And my burden is light. That word light, you know what it means? It was also a Greek word. It was translated light. It means not burdensome. What? Wait a minute. My burden is not burdensome. That's literally what Jesus said. So, your yoke, y'all know what a yoke is? It's what you put on an ox that hooks him to a plow or a cart or it can hook him to another ox that hooks them both to a plow or a cart. So a yoke hooks you to your work or to your purpose and it can hook you to other workers that have the same purpose. So, so when I get free, right when I come to Jesus, To get this rest that he's talking about, um, there's gonna be a yoke put on me. Wait a minute. When I get freedom and I come to Jesus to take this rest that you're talking about, Dusty, then I'm gonna have a burden. A yoke and a burden? That don't sound like freedom. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. You you're going to worship something. Jesus said it's light. It's a weight, but it's not bad. If you can get this, then I believe that you can walk in a new freedom. Like if we can get a hold of this, taking a, taking a break, I believe that if you knew what freedom was, that you'd be dangerous so many people think that getting their butt whipped by a giant is freedom we talked about giants last week if you didn't hear it go back and listen to it but I know a lot of people that, that feel like getting beat up by their giant is free I'm free to do whatever I want nobody can put rules on me religion can't hold me back and every time you run down the hill he beats you down again what has happened is you've become a slave and you think you're free real freedom is doing what God made you and created you to do how do you know if it's real real freedom helps other people God said to Moses go tell Pharaoh I said let my people go so that they will be free to worship me that's what that was God's purpose. He said, Go tell Pharaoh to set them free so that they'll be free to worship me. Paul said that if you become a slave, or if you he that commits sin becomes a slave to that sin, like you're gonna be serving something. We're created to worship and serve, and so. We're going to serve something. Jesus says, come to me. My yoke or my purpose for you, it's easy. My yoke's going to connect you to other people that are going to help with your purpose. My yoke is going to help you get some things done and some crops planted. And, and you're going to look back and feel satisfied. Under my yoke, walking in my purpose for you, it's not hard. It's going to be easy. There's a yoke, yeah. He said, oh, and my burden's light. There's only one other place um, in the New Testament that I could find that that word light, that means not burdensome, that word light, was only used one other place in the New Testament that I, that I could find Looking last night, and it's right here in Second Corinthians, and we're almost done. I'm wrapping it up. Second Corinthians four sixteen. For which cause we faint not. Don't faint. But though our outward man perish. Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. That's what we're talking about. Taking a rest, getting renewed, recharged. Here it is in verse 17. For our light. That's that same word. For our not burdensome. Our light affliction. Now you could think, oh, well, well." Paul the apostle wrote this and he's saying our light our non-burdensome affliction. Paul got whipped and beat and locked up in multiple different jails. He was in the worst Roman jail of their time, sitting chained up in a sewage for a lot of these letters. He was writing, Paul was stoned to death and thrown outside the, the building that like they they thought he was dead. like he went through it. It wasn't light but he said it was light that it wasn't burdensome why? because he had learned to change his perspective on trials and pain and hard times and rejection and because he developed such a relationship with God and he just unloaded and recharged and he knew that it was a purpose it was meaningful there was a purpose light affliction which is but for a moment it's not going to last don't get stuck in this little part of the stories just for a moment it worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory while we look not at things which are seen but at the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporal But the things which are not seen are eternal. He said, don't focus on what you can see. Don't let your eyes trick you. Don't get stuck right here. Remember. Don't trust what you can see. Remind yourself that God's still working. God's not finished. No matter if the world looks like it's going crazy or... Your mama lost her mind or whatever. Remind yourself that God's still working. That God's bigger. Don't get caught in a little circumstance. Don't get caught in a little situation. Remember how big God is. I'm going to close by reading you Matthew 11 out of the Message Bible. Are you tired? Worn out, burned out on religion, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. A real rest. You know there's a fake rest. You can take a fake rest. All right, you can drink stuff and smoke stuff, and there's all kinds of ways that you can take a fake rest. But Jesus said, if you'll come to me, If you'll empty out all your problems with some thanksgiving and you'll come to me, I'll show you how to take a real rest. It's not counterfeit. It's not fake. Take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. And watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live Freely and lightly in my rest in my peace so Jesus said if you're tired come to me I love the fact that it doesn't say depending on how you got tired you can come right doesn't matter how you got tired sin makes you tired and His love invites your sin. And His love invites your shame. Because I don't know if you figured it out yet, but sin and shame, they'll make you tired. They'll get you to the end of your rope. They'll make you feel overwhelmed in your heart. All these things that we've been thinking about, sin and shame will get you there. You know, shame is just a byproduct of sin. But even after you've sinned or stopped sinning, shame will still hold you back if you let it. Shame has a voice. You've heard it. I know you have. Because we've all made mistakes in the past. We've all done things. We've all got things that maybe we're not proud of. And so shame will try to keep you from running to Jesus to make you think you're not worthy or you don't have a place or you've heard it. Like you hear a call from God, hey, I want you to do something great for me. And you think, really? God, you don't remember I messed up really bad six months ago. Or you have some advice or a story that could save somebody's marriage. But shame says you couldn't even save your own marriage. Shut up. Shame will stop you from doing what God's called you to do. Shame will stop you from coming into His presence and and from taking on His yoke, His burden. If you give shame a place to hide... It'll keep you in your brokenness. And you won't find healing. And brokenness will keep you out too. Sin and shame and all brokenness is, is any area of your life that's not healed. Right? It can be an area of unforgiveness where you're just not willing to forgive somebody so you keep that wound open. It's brokenness. And it'll keep you from taking a rest. It'll keep you from having peace. Because there's this nagging of... That's what the Holy Spirit does. He keeps on bringing it up because it's something you need to deal with. It's an area where you're not healed. And and sometimes you need help. You need a counselor to help you walk through it. Or you need to go release forgiveness to somebody. Or Jesus gives instructions if you're offended with somebody, you need to go to them. And if y'all can't work it out, then then go take it. Go with a friend and then come to the, the preacher or the leaders in the church. But... But why is that so important? Because we need to work it out. We need to walk it out. We need to find healing. And move on from our brokenness. So that we can be whole and healed and rested. And comfortable running into His presence. So we can come to Him often. It's like if I'm carrying around some big heavy dumbbells. And God calls me to run a race it's kind of a joke even if I try really really hard I have no chance of winning the race carrying dumbbells Hebrews 12 1 says lay aside the sin and the weights so it's not just sin that needs to be laid aside it's there's other weights But that's how you win change your perspective you learn from the past Don't let sin, shame, brokenness keep you from serving humanity, keep you from the greatness that God placed on the inside of you. Jesus said, come to me. Walk with me, work with me. Um, I used to have this awesome dog named Pistol, and he was a Catahoula, and he was a big, strong dog. He got up to, uh, he was over 100 pounds and had more energy than you can imagine. I'm just wild dog. And so I had a great idea that it would be cool to take him out of the backyard because we had to keep him on a runner for a little while. So I thought, man, I'll hook him on a leash. It was back when I had started jogging to get in better shape. And so I'm like, I'll take Pistol out on a jog with me. I've seen other people jog with their dogs. That'd be cool. And I walked out there in the backyard and hooked old Pistol to the leash. And tried to take off running down the road here. And the whole entire time, maybe you've seen a dog act like this or do this before. But the whole time, he's like, (laughs) pulling, pulling, pulling. (laughs) I'm about to choke myself. Uh, Dragging me. Like, pulling me, pulling me. And I'm trying to pull him back. Pistol, no, come on, pull back. Pull him back. And it was horrible. Like, I I don't even think I made it. I probably didn't make it a quarter of a mile from the house and had to turn around and head back home because he's pulling that way. He see a squirrel over there. He's dragging me off the side of the ditch and I'm trying to pull him back and, I'm, and he's choking. So then I'm worried like he can't breathe. I'm not, I don't want to hurt my dog and choke him out. By, but he's not breathing because he will not stop pulling on the leash and it wasn't a good experience. It wasn't a fun bonding time for master and Dog. I took him back to the backyard and went on a run by myself. I wonder how many of us are like that with God. Because we think we know where we need to head or what we need to do or what squirrel we need to chase. And we're constantly pulling and pulling and pulling and trying to go where we want to go or go where we think we need to go or go where society has taught us we need to go. And, and we're pulling, 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 but we can't catch our breath. We're tired and wore out and and we feel like we can't breathe. You ever felt like that? We have anxiety because well, we can't breathe, we can't breathe. And Jesus says, just come to me. Work with me. You know, if Pistol would have come closer to me, it would have been able to catch his breath and we would have still been running down the road right but in fact we would have gone further because he slowed down and he could breathe I wouldn't have had to abort mission and take him back home if he would have just come closer to his master and that's what I think Jesus was trying to get across here was come to me Are you tired? Are you burned out? Are you wore out? Are you burned out on religion and all these rules that, that they're trying to put on you? And Jesus said, just come to me. Man, learn to walk with me and work with me and do it how I do it. Learn to love people how I love people and have the grace that I have. And just come to me. And you know what? You'll be able to breathe. You'll be able to catch your breath. And we'll work together. And we'll go further than you'll ever go pulling on that leash. We'll go further than you'll ever go. Not being able to breathe. We'll go further than you'll ever go stuck in the backyard. But you just have to come to me. Walk in step with me and trust that I know what's best for you. Even if you don't understand. Even if your flesh tells you, get that squirrel. You say, no, I'm not getting that squirrel. Because I'm walking with Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thanks for speaking to our hearts and our minds. God, help us to slow down and take a rest. Not that we slow down what we're doing for you. But God, I believe that you've shown us today that we can be more effective if we'll take a rest. So God, I pray for anybody that's overwhelmed today, anybody that's It's overwhelmed with fear or worry or or doubt or a sin problem, shame problem. Maybe it's brokenness, an area of their life where they need to find healing so that they can rest. God, today I pray that you would touch everyone under the sound of my voice in whatever area that they need so that they can come to you and find rest for their soul. God, we're going to pour out everything. We're going to bring it to you. But we're going to remember to be thankful. and Have some gratitude. And we know that the peace that doesn't make sense, the peace that passed understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds. God, we love you. Thank you for your peace. Thanks for speaking to us. In Jesus' name, amen.